Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we have with us today, Melissa Sassi, a Z evangelist. Hey. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to Poughkeepsie and Terminal Talk Studios. Thank you so much. My first time in Poughkeepsie, and I uh, i don't know if I brought the snow or you did. Was it here when you got here, or? It was coming down as I was getting here. <laughs> so Aren't you lucky? Thank you. A combination of both. So uh, we can probably start with what does um, Z Evangelist do? That's a great question. And, you know, I I sometimes wake up in the morning and think the same thing myself. Um, I, you know, I give a lot of talks on, um, you know, how do you, how do you create your own career based on your passions and based on, you know, what's interesting for you? Um, You know, for me, I'm, I'm passionate about uh, early stage entrepreneurship. So uh, startup startup ecosystem. I am passionate about um, digital skill building. And I'm also passionate about youth empowerment. So um, what does a Z evangelist do? A Z evangelist looks at those three, you know, buckets and empowers uh, people and companies and universities and high schools through uh, Z skills. But to be honest with you, I, I think that it's not just about how do you come in and talk about you know, Z skills, how do you talk about the mainframe? I think it's important, especially when you're talking to young people, to talk about the importance that, you know, tech skill building has on empowering you to solve problems and create things. You know, at the end of the day, when we learn, you know, to code, regardless of what language or what technology you're thinking about or what, it's really about problem solving. And how do you empower people to, you know, solve problems using technology? And I would assume that, um, you know, kind of jumping off of that idea that there are some really cool things associated with solving problems on Z that really don't work quite as well in the distributed space. Mm-hmm. Have you have you been working with um, students especially to get them to see that or? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I'd love to tell you it's, it's easy to um, stand up an event and say, hey, we're going to do Master of the Mainframe. You know, I think there are all these misconceptions out there around, you know, the viability, which I, I, I find hilarious, um, of the mainframe. I mean, if you turned a mainframe off or if you turned all the mainframes off in the world for, you know, X number of minutes, imagine the pain that everyone, you know, would feel around the world. Um, so I think part of what I do is really demystify the mainframe and really uh, encourage both university students as well as high school students to understand the importance of the technology and the variety of use cases and you know what it does in terms of you know powering you know the cloud for example and you know many of the different products and and services that really you know run on you know Z for example but again I think it's bigger than that I think it's a a broader lens around what is what do digital skills actually mean? Because I think it's important to not just focus on how do we get, you know, people skilled up when it comes to um, mainframe skills, but, you know, how do they protect themselves online and, you know, how do they manage their online footprint and their screen time and see it as one big bucket of digital skill building. So how do you go about starting, um, say you want to put together an event or start a dialogue, how do you start like your research, your planning for how you're going to dive into it? You know, I, I actually am, I, my, my boss and my, my colleagues um, call me a wild duck, and I, I've come to learn that that's an IBM thing, and I guess it, it's someone who kind of thinks outside of 
you know, the norm and is not necessarily in a jar or a sandbox. <laughs> and I am, um, I'm very, you know, in some cases, I'm very, you know, strategic about where I go. In other cases, things just happen. And I jump on top of those opportunistic things that just happen. I'll give you an example of the opportunistic, and then I'll give you an example of the strategic, because I do both. And I think both are important. Um, so last week, I had an opportunity to um, to speak at Internet Governance Forum. Internet Governance Forum is a United Nations event that um, is attended by IT ministers, so you know, but also practitioners. So it's not just a bunch of policy people or UN people talking about how do we make the world a better place through technology, but um, people who are actively out running coding camps and teaching people about technology, but again, helping them to solve problems through technology. And, you know, I, I happened to meet the, the regulator from Mozambique. And the regulator from Mozambique is like, I heard your talk. I like what you have to say. I like you. I like the way that you present digital skill building. It's not just about how do I sell my technology to you or how do I sell my skills to you that will help you sell your products. Mm -hmm. But you, you take this lens of here are the real skills that somebody needs to get a job and also to be empowered as an individual. And again, I go back to this wheel of competencies that an individual needs to have to be digitally included. And you kind of dial those skills up and down depending upon you know, what you, what you like. And so, or what you're interested in and what your, you know, competencies and aptitude is, what you'd want to do in life. And so this regulator from Mozambique says, I want you in Mozambique and we're going to run a session and I'm going to bring people. What, what can you talk about? And I said, well, I can do master the mainframe. I've got some really cool things we could do with AI. And, you know, I've got my startup program, which we can talk about in a second, where we can talk about, you know, a person who has an idea how do we give them the skills that they need to create that idea, to solve that problem, and help them go through the business case of being able to actually launch a business? Or how do we enable them to be an entrepreneur? Not everybody's going to go out and start their own app or their own solution or whatever it is. And so in this case, I, my boss doesn't know it yet. Hi, Gene. Mm. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm planning on you know, standing up um, a really exciting event in that particular country. Now, another opportunistic example, a right. friend of mine works at the UN and said, hey, we've got this um, AI event coming up. What can you do? I said, all right, let me grab another one of our evangelists. Why don't we go and talk about, you know, AI and the role that AI, you know, plays when it comes to Z? And why don't we, why don't we bring a robot with us? And why don't we teach that robot to speak Arabic? And let's do some really fun stuff and let's showcase the power of Z, you know, not only through this robot, but through a, a, a series of, um, of tutorials and a series of, um, you know, case studies. So we're off to uh, Egypt next week. And Oh, nice. Yeah, so there's a couple opportunistic things that just kind of popped up. Um, on the strategic side, I am uh, I have a very large um, developer audience, probably, you know, 5,000 developers in, uh, in uh, uh, Pakistan. And I've been to Pakistan twice this year, um, all working on evangelizing GZ and doing... Um, uh, mainframe advocacy and, you know, talking about startup vibes and that sort of thing. And in that particular case, before I went, I said, okay, we're going to go to these schools. We're going to run these sessions. Here are the topics we're going we're gonna to talk about. Here's the role I will play. Here's the role that, you know, my local team will play, um, which I think is very important. So I think it's a combination of both strategic and opportunistic. How hard is it to, you know, you're talking about all of these different areas where you're working. How hard is it to kind of tune things 
that make it appropriate for the different cultures that you're working with? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think regardless of wherever you're working, you know, in the world, I think it's important to understand what are some of the cultural the cultural norms and use cases and what might be a, uh, a use case here might be very different in another country. And I'll give you an example. I, um, I was in Kenya and I, uh, I had a, a startup event where I wanted um, startups working in fintech, you know, health tech, insure tech, reg tech, come in and present their solutions to me so that we could talk about including them into our um, startup accelerator program, which I run globally. It's called IBM Hyperprotect Accelerator. And, you know, I was looking for startups that are dealing with high levels of sensitive data, so personally identifiable information. And I had a startup pitch to me, and um, it was a sex bot. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and, and I and – I, and and I, it's all in, in good taste. Trust me, I'm getting there. I, I I wanted to pause for a second to wake everybody up in the room. But, you know, it was all about empowering young people to be able to feel comfortable to ask questions that they might be afraid to ask their mom uh-huh. or their dad or their uncle or someone else. And they created this bot that, you know, looked at kind of the common questions a young person might ask, you know, regarding pregnancy or rape or a whole lot of different um uh, topics, you know, reproductive health, what to do, you know, where to go. And what was interesting is they gave us examples of, and I'm not going to repeat those because I've already got everybody awake enough. <laughs> <laughs> they gave us examples of uh, the kinds of things that were being asked. And I would have never expected to hear that in Kenya. Because usually, you know, th- right. I, I think that that's something that is a little bit more taboo in certain parts of the world. I never had, I never would have expected it. So even though you, you, you can go out and do all the homework that you want, you know, so before I go to Pakistan, I think, okay, what is appropriate here? What is appropriate there? What are some good examples? How do I make sure I'm relevant? And how do I make sure I resonate with that, you know, the developers there or the practitioners there or the university professors? But sometimes, man, they throw you a curveball and they <laughs> give you a sex bot. But that's why they made it so far in this this process and got attention. They did. They did. And, you know, I, I will say that they they aren't necessarily part of our, you know, part of our, our cohort um, right now. But I was really impressed with their ability to stand up and talk about a taboo subject and talk about it in a place where, um, you know, it, it isn't the most, you know, widely accepted to talk, to talk about. Even I think in this room sitting here in IBM, I, I definitely got some, uh, I definitely got some red, uh, some red faces in the room. <laughs> yeah, I think a Dr. Ruth bot would have sounded better than sex bot. Well, you guys didn't know where I was going with that. No. Like, oh no, are we going to have to turn off this session or what? <laughs> so you, you mentioned a couple different uh, areas there, like FinTech, and there were like eight other techs that I hadn't thought about yet. Yeah. Can, can you go through this again? Yeah, sure. So um, financial services technology or FinTech um, is, you know, Technology that's really revolutionizing, revolutionizing or innovating in the financial services sector. Um, if I think about our startup program, um, I'm, I'm focused mainly on fintech and health tech. But um, so if you think about health tech, it's healthcare technology. And then if you look at some of the other buzzwords I mentioned, which is insure tech, so the insurance industry and using technology to revolutionize or innovate in, in the insurance business. And the last one was reg tech. So if you think about regulatory stuff, you know, since I focus on um, sensitive data, you know, and my, my, my program or our program is all about laddering up into 
our Hyper Protect product, which is all about, and I think if I'm not mistaken, you've had some other folks on here talking yep. about this before. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll let the other smart people who know a heck of a lot more about Hyper Protect talk about that. Now, don't get me wrong. I do have Hyper Protect chops, <laughs> um, but we do ladder up into that product. And part of the reason why is it's, for me, very interesting to take a Z product, you know, a product that was born, you know, on Z, within the Z world and, you know, having it essentially sitting underneath the cloud, you know, and thinking about the the role that that plays, even with this financial services um, offering that was just announced not too long ago with um, IBM and, and Bank of America. For me, this is extremely powerful. There's no reason why a startup should not consider the power of Z and the different products that were born out of Z you know, despite being a small entity, I focus mainly on, you know, startups that are less than a million dollars in revenue, less than five years old. You know, many of them might not be thinking and probably have never thought about a mainframe. Yeah, we need we need to really break down this idea that, like, you need to be this tall to ride this machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and also this dichotomy of, of there's either cloud or mainframe. That's exactly right. And because they kind of came at the same time, this idea of I'm going to get rid of my servers and I'm going to call it cloud – when yeah. it's it's technically not the, the same definition, so it's yeah. it's this great blending of technology <laughs> there. But what I wanted to kind of focus on is like those areas you talked about, like the fintech, health tech, insure tech, reg tech. <laughs> in in like you go back maybe like even ten years ago, and those were the big business um, technologies, and uh-huh. no one else is allowed to play in those. And now this is an area where there are startups, and that's oh, yeah. that's exciting. Like somebody, a regulatory startup. It, it sounds like, why Why are you hurting yourself? Well, you should be making surfboards or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Um, one of the, I think my favorite parts, I have a lot of favorite parts of, of my job. And I feel like, you know, I get to, to create my own path every day. And for anyone working in tech, whether you're a mainframer or anything else, um, you know, I think it's incumbent upon us to figure out, you know, what is our individual path and where do we want to be and how do we create our own careers? And I've done a lot of that here in you know, in my role at IBM and beyond. But I feel like part of what wakes me up in the morning is, you know, working with these early stage founders that are revolutionizing things like, I I look at Azad Health, for example, they're one of my startups, and they're revolutionizing, you know, patient-centered health data. And they just won an award from the, you know, uh, U.S. Department of State. Um, There are so many different companies that we've, you know, uh, decided to partner with that are, you know, revolutionizing, you know, digital payments, for example, and going from being an, a UAE and Pakistan-based, you know, fintech startup to, you know, having major revenue share contracts in place on the on the continent of, of Africa. You know, I moved that all the way through to, you know, My Allergy, which is a UK-based um, health tech startup. And they're looking at how do they make um, – you know, information available on, you know, I, I know so many people suffer from allergies. You know, when you're going into a restaurant or a doctor's office, how do you make sure that people have available the level of information that they need to have when it comes to what might make you sick and die? Mm, kind of important. Well, I like this because, you know, when people think about the mainframe, they tend to think about enterprises and enterprise use. And really what you're talking about is, is having Z play a role in democratizing IT. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's also this interesting pathway for, you know, startups to recognize that there's not only one solution that's out there, 
You know, I know that there are a lot of credit programs out there, you know, when it comes to, you know, cloud solutions, but there are a lot of other solutions out there that enable you to, you know, encrypt your data, whether it's, uh, you know, storage or rest or transmission or whatever it is. And how do we make sure that we enable startups with stuff that they might not have had access to otherwise? And that's something I'm very proud of, whether that's skills or you know, technology or, you know, mentorship, which is something that I'm, you know, heavily invested in when I think about my, you know, my program of how do I give these startups that are included in this program access to the best and brightest individuals on the planet who can help evolve their businesses, whether it's AI or uh, blockchain or, you know, taking advantage of Watson Health or, you know, again, hyperprotect everything that um, the broader team has to offer. Can you talk a little bit more about your, I mean, your your Twitter handle is Mentor Africa. So <laughs> obviously your, the mentorship thing is very strong with you. For Can sure. you talk a little bit about what you've uh, what you've do, done like on your personal side? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to get really personal. And so far, you know, I know that we, we you know, have a, um, I think uh, all of us have a personal story and all of us have, you know, things that we bring to the table that... Um, you know, define us as a, a person and also as a professional. For me, um, my personal tragedy is what defined, you know, uh, my, I think even my existence now. And it's also kind of turned into my superpower. Um, I'll, t- I'll start off by telling you a story. So Zahra, Zahran, and Yumna were three, five, and seven. And they were picked up from school one day and they were taken to another country by their father. Fast forward 10 years, Zahra is 17, Zahran is 15, and Yumna is 13. Access to technology and access to skills is what enables them to have what I call meaningful internet or meaningful connectivity. It's access to their mother. So my name's Melissa Sassi, and I'm the mother of Zahra, Zahran, and Yumna. And so for me... This, you know, concept of digital skills and technology entrepreneurship, it's my life's it's my life's work work because it's kind of what defines me as a mother. I'm a mother from afar. And I realized that it it became something more for me than just, hey, how do I be a mom? I realized that my kids didn't have access to technology and with technology they could do all kinds of things that were once never possible, whether that's having access to their mom. My, my daughter's studying uh, computer science. So nice. <laughs> I got I to I teach her to be a mainframer. We're, we're working on that. Um, <laughs> but I realized that it wasn't just about Zahra, Zahran, and Yumna. It was about their community. It was about their country. It was about their continent, the region, and the world. 49% of the world lacks access to the internet. And if 49% of the world lacks access to the internet, how the heck are people getting skilled in any technology, let alone IBMC? So what role can we play to empower the world to transition people from unconnected to connected to thriving? So how was that? How was that for a bomb, guys? (laughs) Like, oh, holy smokes, I didn't know she was going to say that. (laughs) That's great. Thank you for sharing that. No worries. Going back to Mentor Africa, though. So yes. when I when I when I realized my kids didn't have access to technology in their classroom, really Zahra, 
Um, I was working in another tech company, big tech company we all know of. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to be easy for you to find. You can just look it up on my profile. Um, and what I realized was that I could do something about that, you know, and I may not have been able to change all of the things in the li- in their lives that I wanted to, but you know what? I could get computers into that classroom. And I went from one school, an idea, to 400 laptops, 20 schools, and I created my own nonprofit about three years ago, four years ago. Um, it's called Mentor Nations. Um, I still, you know, I have this whole crew of young people who run it. Um, but we've taught tens of thousands of kids to code in uh, 12 countries. I have my own co-working space in uh, Tunisia. Um, it's all youth-run. Everything that we do is youth-run, youth-led, and they just are out. I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to kicking ass. <laughs> We have an IoT lab. We have a robotics lab. We have all these amazing things that um, these young people um, would not have had access to otherwise. Now, just for you know, full disclosure, I don't take a profit from it. You know, I don't personally benefit from it in terms of salary. I keep all mm-hmm. of the money you know in country. Um, I'm actually planning this month to do three master the mainframe sessions in Tunisia, and all of my team is in the process now of doing master the mainframe. And if you talk to, you know, any of the folks who are involved in uh, Master the Mainframe initiatives and uh, learning Z skills, they'll see that there's been a big spike in two countries where I operate, and that's Pakistan and Tunisia, because I spend a heck of a lot of time there, and I've been evangelizing uh, mainframe skills in both of these countries. Lots of other countries to go and, and um, lots of other fun to be had. But originally, when I started up my nonprofit, it was called uh, Mentor Africa. And it was my blog, and I realized that, again, this wasn't just about Africa. But I liked my handle, and it kind of sounded like me Frika. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. That works, too. It's like a, so I thought, an allegory. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of thought, you know what? This whole me Frika thing, like, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to roll with that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so you're, but, like, you're, you're, um, you're working with these, these startups, and you're working in, in some areas which are, like, developing nations. Yes. That's got to be, like, super interesting and exciting seeing things that are just moving probably on a day-to-day week-to-week basis it's crazy i um i just am so excited when i when i get out in the field i believe no matter what your job is whether you are working in a data center whether you are managing you know uh, your infrastructure whether you're you know day in and day out you know a developer an engineer whatever your job is a manager of people doing stuff, you know. I think it's really important for all of us to be out in the field and um, engaging with our customers. And I know not all of us can jump on a plane and be in Pakistan tomorrow. And I I, I know it sounds super glamorous. Well, maybe, I don't know, um, to, <laughs> to travel around the world. Um, I'll tell you, it gets really tiring. But that said, it's really exciting to see how are young people learning about technology. Um, mm-hmm. I also work with a lot of female entrepreneurs who are learning learning to code and also um, learning about, you know, launching companies. And in some parts of the world, you know, these, these women are also kind of looking and saying, I, I have certain family circumstances, whether that's, you know, um, imposed by someone else or, or self-imposed. And and some of them, um, some of the the women I talk to in some parts of the world are learning to code, learning how to launch a business. But their end goal is to freelance, run a business from home, because either they 
do not want to work outside of the home or for a variety of other reasons cannot. And so I think this is where it really is important for us to think beyond the confines of traditional education. Traditional education is important, don't get me wrong. But I think really understanding what works well in different parts of the world and, again, getting beyond your desk, even if you can't jump up and go to Pakistan or Nairobi, which I understand we all can't, you know, how can you go down the street and figure out what your, you know, your customer or your colleague or your friend or your dad or your mom, you know, how are they seeing the world? And you can point point them to that uh, Coursera mainframe stuff. What, What did that guy do? Awesome jerk. Uh, <laughs> was that you? Yeah. Uh, I figured I figured when he called him a jerk, it must have been his own creation. I've been meaning to go through that course. It's actually pretty good. I mean, he's, he's you know being what very I modest. You know what I want? I want a presentation that is that I could give to like a grandma or a fourth grader because sometimes I'm sitting with people who would love to have, you know, mainframer for fourth grade, you know, or something like that. So, Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure the Coursera work would no. would work there. No. <laughs> well, and, it, and it's really difficult because there is nothing to anchor to, right? When you're talking to somebody whose understanding of the IT components mm-hmm. are are really very rudimentary, where where do you kind of connect that? I've I've had that problem before when talking to uh, people who only write JavaScript, yeah. right, who write front-end apps. How do you explain to them why something like Z makes a difference in their life other than you can say, hey, you know, without these, without these machines. <laughs> Turn it off for 15 minutes yeah, and see and what see happens. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's so hard to get people who have nothing anchored Mm-hmm. In in IT to get them to understand the importance of this kind of stuff. Yeah. So so do you do deal with that? I mean, obviously, you're I, I try. With- I try. Um, you know, I, am I the most you know um, successful at it? You know, do I have the right talk track down? You know, maybe not. Um, I think that's that's part of the reason why I think it's important for you know us to figure out. You know, as as the mainframe community, how do we explain this to our grandma? You know what I mean? And how do we not just explain it to our grandma, but how do we explain it to someone who is a practitioner, you know, who is deep in in the world of technology or someone who might be a cloud advocate and may not see the other side of the importance that, um, you know, mainframe technology or, you know, Z technology play. Um, I'm working on it. I've been thinking about, and this is one of the things, I've got this big list of stuff. That I'm like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this. And it's often one of these things I do when I get on a plane and, it's, you know, building a presentation for a keynote, Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like, what is a mainframe? Why does it matter? Explain it to me like I'm your I'm your grandma. Right. I, I'm, I'm doing something on Friday at, at, uh, down at Bergen Community College. I'm actually to get to do the, the keynote at that. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I've been working on my presentation all week. And I, 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 I was I managed to find or pin down when I first heard about what mainframe does. There was a print article in Wired magazine. I haven't been able to find that online. I assume it's only been in print where UPS is actually talking about their IT infrastructure. And at the time, it was just about package tracking. But they also talk about not only is this every package in the world. How do you remember this is my question. Because it was actually a very – it was a turning point when I was like, wait a second. Because I filed this away when they – because they said it has to handle every package for every customer and every route for every truck, every driver. And I said – Mainframe must be a big computer. Sounds important. I'm just going to squirrel that away over here. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started looking at jobs like, okay, you can do 
Linux networking on a mainframe. I'm like, yeah. oh, I know two of those three things, and one of them sounded really interesting from before. Yeah. So I'm going to go down that route. Oh, that's cool. I actually had a chance to go um, visit our um, our manufacturing floor. Oh, nice. And got to check out the queue. So um, that was a, a really fun experience for me today to actually see some uh, some systems being built. Yeah. Hey, back in the bipolar days, says the old guy. Back in the bipolar days, it was. It was more fun to watch because a lot of stuff was done all by robot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, with plug and play, it doesn't make sense to do stuff with robots anymore. So it was really cool looking back then, but it is so much more efficient. Are these like like uh, automotive assembly robot arms? Yeah, not not quite like that. But, like Jetsons? But yeah, it was, it was interesting back in... Dun, 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 you know, that kind of? Yeah. Very, <laughs> so... So I noticed uh, we're getting to the top of the hour here, um, which is kind of depressing. We're exactly at the side of the hour. It's two forty-five. <laughs> does this mean? Does this mean you're bored? No, this means. Are you, are you ready to throw us out of the studio? That's how Frank ends every episode: is either the top or the bottom, bottom of, the, of hour. the hour. And you're actually pretty good at saying whether it is the top or the bottom. <laughs> I'm going to point out. What's the difference again? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I almost clock explained. <laughs> well, let me explain to you. Well, actually, the clocks. <laughs> so we're getting exactly to the side of the hour. Now we're here now. Um, so I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Melissa, for coming. This was really, really good. So people should follow you on the Twitters at Mentor Africa the, with a K. With a K. With a K. <laughs> I do. I have lots of adventures. Um, over the next few months, you'll see me in a lot of really wonderful and amazing places and, and warm. <laughs> yes, I am going on vacation. I, uh, I I am tomorrow, and I'm so oh, no 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 Friday Friday. Yeah, you, you don't like the snow. You don't want to stay here. And- I, I enjoyed the snow while I was here, and now it's time for me to uh, to find. Uh, okay, we got, we got yeah. it. We got it. We got it. As I trailed off, thinking yeah. about the beach <laughs> and the weather. You go build a snow Z fifteen. I'm going to try that. I might. I might ask you guys to to step in. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Um, I I'm pretty active. Uh, I'm active there, and I uh, am always happy to engage and have a conversation and. You can also learn, you know, I think we're, you know, all on this journey of how do we empower others with the knowledge that we know. And, you know, one of the things that I will encourage all of you to do is, you know, it, we've all got skills and we've all got stuff inside of us that we can, we can share with others. You know, for those of you who haven't done a meetup or those of you who haven't went to your local high school or grade school or whatever, you know, what can you do to go out and talk about the technology that, that you know about and how can you do it in a way that's human? I think coming, you know, from uh, uh, another technology company and, and joining and, and having to learn about, you know, what is a mainframe and what is Z and what is Linux One and what are all of the different products that, you know, are available. It took me some time to, to really learn and, you know, not being a, uh, you know, longtime mainframer. I had a learning curve, and I think that's something that within our industry, we need to figure out how can we advocate better? How can we advocate differently? How can we make sure that the mainframe is seen as relevant and that it is a core and central part of the world? And I think if we all could explain things better and do it in human terms, our industry would be a heck of a lot you know, more advanced you know, from a visibility and a perception perspective. 
And you have some opportunities in some some other areas of the world coming up where if somebody really wants to run a meetup or something like that, you might have yeah. some opportunities. Yeah. So I would say um, over the next, you know, over the next month, and I guess it depends on when this is going to air. It'll come probably early January. Early January. Okay. So um, you will miss me. And <laughs> I'll just tell you where, like, you'll miss me because I'll be there in the next few weeks before this airs. And it was great. It was, it was awesome. I did an awesome job. I Thanks was for so, flying us out. <laughs> yeah, so great. No, I'll be in Tunisia, Egypt, um, the UAE. And then in January, um, I will actually be at um, in South Africa the end of January. So I expect next year to be... My boss is probably going to be like, okay, great. Thanks, Melissa. You didn't ask me about those. But, <laughs> you know, I, I expect um, I, I expect to be back in Egypt, um, potentially Rwanda, um, probably Kenya, definitely back in Pakistan. Um, anyone who's interested in doing anything specifically in Pakistan, um, I'm standing up with my wonderful colleagues, a uh, Girls in ICT Day, uh, April 23rd, and we're expecting to have a wide group of tech companies and a wide group of, of collaborator, collaborators, both government and non-government. So um, if you are in Pakistan, that's a great opportunity, April 23rd. Other than that, follow me on Twitter and you can figure out where else I am in the world. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> Uh, isn't it Carmen San Diego? Isn't that really more the, the kids are all about the yeah. Carmen San Diego? Yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not cool enough for that. <laughs> well, we'll work on that. In okay. the meantime, Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.